This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. times in our lives when we're headed in a certain direction and we think it's the right direction. However, it really isn't. And often we have to have some significant experiences and learn some new information before we realize that we're headed in the wrong direction. So I want to talk today about the Apostle Paul, who prior to being known as the Apostle Paul, was known as Saul. Saul was his given name and his birth name. And Saul, early in his life, he was a person who was very zealous for God. He considered himself a strong servant of God. And he wanted to defend the truth of God and what God was saying to people in his word. So when this new upstart religion began that got to be known as the way and later came to be known as Christianity, he wasn't very happy about it because he felt as though they were diverting people from God's truth. So I want to walk through his story and talk a little bit about what happened in his life and what changed, and then make an application to what does this mean for the business person as well. First, let's talk a little bit, though, about Paul's history. And I'll refer to him as Paul, even though at this point of the story, he was still being called Saul. Paul was one of those people who had been circumcised on the eighth day. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. With respect to the law, he referred to himself as blameless. He had so much zeal for God that he very relentlessly persecuted the church. And in fact, when Stephen was stoned to death, Paul was present there and he was holding the coats of some of the ones who were the perpetrators. He was so successful at his persecution that he was feared by the churches everywhere. Later in Acts 26, when he's talking to King Agrippa and he's describing his life story and what all happened to him, he says, I thought that I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I did this in Jerusalem. I shut up saints in prison and I had authority from the chief priests. I put people to death, casting I vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue, and I compelled them to blaspheme and to deny the faith. I was exceedingly outraged against them, to the point where I even went to foreign cities to chase them down and to persecute them. And in Acts 8, he says, I made great havoc of the church entering every house and trying to pull people out. And he would get 
authority permits from the chief priest to do all of this. And as a result of all of these persecutions, the church was scattered from here to there. The upside of that is that the the good news message was being spread throughout the world because people had to disperse and had to leave from outside of Jerusalem. In Acts, the ninth chapter, we see that Paul is there breathing threats and he's planning additional murders of the disciples. And he had gotten some additional letters from the high priest and is on his way to the synagogue in Damascus. And his mission was to bring any followers of this way. He was going to bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem. That was the plan. However, as he was on the Damascus road with a couple of companions and headed to Damascus, he saw a really bright light and he heard a voice speaking to him. And the voice was saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, well, who are you, Lord? Who are you speaking? Because he knew it must be some important person speaking out of nothingness like this, a voice like from the sky. And then the voice said to him, I am Jesus who is speaking to you. Now, of course, Saul would have been shocked by that. At this point, you have to understand, this is after the crucifixion, this is after the resurrection, and after Jesus' ascension back into heaven, and yet he is speaking now to Paul on the Damascus road. So when he identifies himself, because Jesus also tells him, you know, how long are you going to kick against the goads, also known as pricks? Back in those days in this agrarian society where there were a lot of animals, if the animal was going the wrong way, you would kind of use this device to, to steer it in the right direction, but it had sharp points on the end, and you could be hurt by those sharp points. So basically, Jesus says, look, you've been kicking against me all this time, and how long are you going to do that and harm yourself? And so then Paul says, well, what do you want me to do? And so he told him, Jesus said, I want you to go into the city, and I want you to go to a certain person's house, Simon the Tanner by the sea, and I want you to stay there. And then a man is going to come and tell you what else you need to do. In the meantime, Ananias, who was a servant of God, got a visitation from God as well. And he was told, go over to this house, Simon's house. And there I want you to talk to Paul and to tell him what he needs to do in order to obey me and do the right thing. And so Ananias says, you mean Paul, the one who's persecuting the church and doing this, that, and the other? Yes, that Paul. Well, he wasn't feeling too comfortable, let's say, about that mission and going on that mission. And then God said to him, don't worry about it. I have it taken care of. Paul is a chosen vessel to me. This is all in my will. You'll be fine. So Ananias goes over to the house, finds Paul. And mind you, I didn't mention this, but when Paul had seen the bright light on the Damascus road and after the voice had left him, he was blind and he couldn't see anymore. And so for several days, he's now fasting. He's not eating, he's not drinking, and he's blind. So Ananias comes in, he puts his hands on Paul, heals him from that blindness so that now he can see. And he tells him what he must do to be saved. And so Paul gets up, he gets baptized, 
It's God's intention that he be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that he can then go out and do the mission that he's called for. Much to everyone's shock and surprise, Paul starts immediately starting to teach the truth of the scriptures and how Jesus is the Messiah and the fulfillment of that. And you have to understand, Paul was a very educated man. He had been trained by the greatest teachers of his time, Gamaliel being one of them. And as he called himself the Hebrew of Hebrews, he knew the Hebrew scriptures and what they said. And so he wasn't somebody you could easily fool in that sense. Now he was using that knowledge to see how all of these things tied together. And now he was going into the synagogue with this message. And of course, they were furious that he's bringing this message there. And the believers in the synagogue who were now in this new way, they were afraid of him because they thought this is a trick. He's probably pretending to believe so that he can harm us. So Paul was in danger on all different sides because people now wanted to kill him or get rid of him. He ended up having to go away for a period of time. God taught him even more perfectly in his absence. And then he comes out in a really powerful ministry. All of his life, his heart's desire was that his fellow Jewish believers would understand what he understood and that they would also see how Jesus was the Messiah. So in every city that he went to, he always went to the synagogue first. He always tried to talk to his brethren first. He was imprisoned many times. He went through many dangers because he loved them so much and he cared for them so much. And he was willing to lay down his life for them in order to share the message. Now, of course, most didn't hear it, although some did. And when people in the synagogue wouldn't hear him, he would then take the message to the Gentiles in the region and speak to them about God's blessing that had come to earth. And you have to remember, going all the way back to Abraham, it was always God's intention to bless the entire world, all nations, the Jew first, and then the Gentile through the Messiah. And so Paul was teaching that. So we see that here's a man who was going one direction, and he did a 180 going in a completely different opposite direction after he had this encounter on the Damascus Road with Jesus. And in our own lives, there are times when we are going the wrong way or maybe doing some things because we don't have the additional knowledge that would allow us to do something different. We could call some of these things mistakes. They could be missteps. And in some cases, maybe even failures. And what I want to say is no matter what the mistake, no matter what the misstep, there's always a way to turn around and go the right way. And all of his life, Paul would end up saying, I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church. And yet, he really went on to write the bulk of the New Testament in the Bible. And he had three major missionary journeys going to develop and support the churches worldwide. And even more besides that. I think about this gospel song that's, we fall down, but we get up. And a saint is just a sinner who fell down, but got up. So the failure is not in the falling down. The failure is if you don't get up. The failure is if you hear what the right thing is and you decide to go the wrong way anyway. That's a failure. 
But to make the mistake and to not know is not a failure. So it's what we do with these circumstances that makes the difference. So you might be wondering, what is the application for those of us who are in the workplace? These principles, how do they apply? Even at work, number one, you can be zealously headed in the wrong direction. That can happen at work. You can think that this is the right business opportunity or this is the way to pursue it. This is the way to do something. There may be others around you who are seeing things differently. They may be trying to enlighten you, give you new information. That can happen at work. So secondly, you can be enlightened and you can see a new path when that new information comes. And as that new information comes, then number three, you can change course because of the new information, insight, truth that you've been exposed to. And number four, remember that past because you want to use your past as your fuel and as your motivation and maybe even to warn some other people who say, oh, I think we should go this. Oh, I went that way. Let me tell you what happened or why that may not be the best way to go. So number five, you want to encourage others with your story, with your journey. Their past doesn't have to define them just like yours doesn't have to define you. You don't have to be stuck. And number six, let your past experiences show you how to have empathy for other people so that you can walk in humility also. Because you know what? None of us is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. And to really recognize when we've been off base ourselves, It's an opportunity to empathize with others and to have humility in our walk. And then that leads to number seven, where you can let your past inspire great thanksgiving in you for where you are today and for some of the disasters that may have been averted because you found the new way to walk. So I want to close our session out today with 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verses 17 through 18. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So as you have been reconciled, also reconcile others, your brothers and sisters, those you love, those you care about as well. Did you know that teams do the bulk of the work in successful organizations. And for this reason, it's very important to build and develop your teams. And first, you might want to know where you are in the process. So I invite you to take the complimentary team assessment to identify your current strengths and also your learning opportunities in launching and developing high-performance teams that get dynamic organizational results. 
So go to my website, www.transleadership.com, and you'll see on the homepage, there's a brown bar that says, take the high performance team assessment. You'll find it just under the running photographs. Click there and get your results. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.